0: Hello and welcome to the Growth CFO Show. My name is Kevin Appleby and today I've got Andrew Waters with me again and we're talking about how to review the performance of your finance team as you go through to a new year. So, Andrew, welcome back to the show. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, Andrew. And just getting ready for the wind down into Christmas and so on. But (sighs) I guess that's the whole reason for the conversation. We're at that time of year where we review what our teams are up to, how they've performed this year and what perhaps might lie ahead for next year. But I think that's a bit different
1: this year, Andrew. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, it's unprecedented year for CFOs reviewing their teams because they need to have that um, you know, more holistic view of the circumstances that each individual faces. So typically going into a, you know, christmas period or new year period a cfo or a finance director will be reviewing the team the structure um who's been the superstars who, who do we need to make some changes around um in terms of the team and performance and you're trying to make sure you've got the right people on the bus um in terms of the the good to great book um about having the right people on the bus before you kind of set off on your journey so that still needs to happen but but you've got individuals that have maybe contracted COVID during the last 12 months and you having to homeschool having to work from home you've got individuals that are set up very nicely in their house with an office and you've got individuals that are flat sharing and um, there's three people on a kitchen table working so um you need to know your team's pretty um pretty much intimately to know and properly measure how they've performed. And if you've got different layers below you and you've got a financial controller and the financial controller's got a team of six or seven below them, then you know it's going to take more work this year to review the team performance than previous years.
0: And there's, there's been a lot of ducking and diving this year. We, we've taken our existing teams that were very well structured for being in the, the physical office and in a lot of cases, nobody's been in that physical office, as you say, the difficult working situations. But some people will have adapted to that better than others. And is, is it fair, given what's gone on this year, Andrew, to, to necessarily penalise some people
1: uh, because it hasn't quite worked for them? I think it goes back to what, what I was alluding to. I think this has definitely been a test of character um, and people's ability to you know perhaps be more scrappy and, and work in an environment where they've got to be more nimble and evolve um some would have flourished and some would have struggled and some may have um subsequently got up to speed but it taken a little bit longer than others i think when it comes to a, re- a review a lot depends on what you're planning to do long term from an organization standpoint when it comes to you know, remote um You know, obviously, this is likely to be a consideration for at least the first three months, maybe six months of next year. Is the long term plan for the organisation to now be a remote working organisation? Or are you going to try and get people into the office full time or as much as possible? Um, And you've got to you've got to weigh up for each individual um, and where you're looking to go, um, how suitable they are to continue with that transition. And what they need to improve, and is there other th- things, in fairness, that the organisation can help them to do to improve? Because it may be that some individuals that are flat sharing and are, you know, four people in the kitchen working or in a living room working, um, that they will now be able to come to the office a bit more, or maybe they get a co-working spot closer to home, not in in you know, town centre. Um, you've got to look after these key key people because there's a lot of individuals at the moment that. If CFOs and organisations expect people to come into the office five days a week from June onwards, 2021, um, unfortunately, these high-flying um, financial controllers, FPA directors or management accountants that have just qualified, they've had a taste of an alternative way of working, which some of them would have flourished and loved because they're able to do things when they are commu- when when they're not commuting in terms of you know a yoga class in the morning or playing tennis at lunch. And I think if individuals try to um, enforce a five-day working week back in London, you'll lose top talent. They will start looking for roles elsewhere where there's more flexibility. I think the period of time of the remote period of, of COVID has been too long for it to not be a consideration. So. It sounds to me like that we're getting to the
0: ideal point to, to review what your f- structure of your team needs to look like for the longer term. And I guess we, we came to March, we were locked down, we took the team that was there and made something work there's always all the way through the year been some form of uncertainty. We've, we've been partially back at work. We've been locked down again. Um, we're going into higher and higher tier groups as we ap- approach Christmas. There is some light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine though, but um, we've probably been ducking and diving all the way through the year and making it work with the existing team and making the best of a bad job. So I think what you're telling me, Andrew, is that probably Christmas going into the New Year, a good time to draw breath and say, well, what are we really doing long
1: term? I, I think so. I think it's essential that um, a CFO or finance director takes control when there's an opportunity to take control. I don't think there's been an opportunity to take full control in the last 12 months. I think, as you say, is making the best of a tough circumstance. Um, I think the next 12 months is a, is an opportunity for the CFO to put a stamp on their design of the team and what they want to um, bring to the organization in terms of their growth strategy or improving um, the, the you know, kind of different elements. You know, every CFO will have a, you know, a, a kind of a hundred-day plan for next year. And obviously, the right team in the right places needs to be there to enable them to make that impact. So it's definitely a year to start taking control back of the finance function and what needs to be done moving forwards. Um, and and yes, you've got to review what's happened last year. You need to review it um, like you would previously in terms of output outcomes, you know, orientated performance reviews. But but again, you've got to you know, have a bit more of a um, Considered view of each individual's circumstances, but going forwards, um, it needs to be set up in a way that those circumstances have been negated, and individuals are in a perfect working environment for what can be achieved for the next twelve to eighteen months. So, what do we do with them in that environment, and how do we make best of that circumstance? I think one
0: one of the key things for me, Andrew. If I was in the position of the the CFL, the finance leader at this point, trying to work it out, I would be making sure I was going out of my way to ask each each individual member of the team what they wanted. I I would be trying not to just assume that I knew what everybody wanted or assume that
1: I knew what worked best. Definitely. Definitely. I think um, individuals, you know, historically are motivated by a few parameters either title um, salary um, you know, progression um there's the, you know, individuals in a finance function in any career function are complex um but people who used to be super um career uh, driven um after the last 12 months they might have that they may have evolved slightly and, and it might be more of a balanced kind of growth journey they want to go on. Um, likewise, individuals where money was the main motivator, may, it may not be the main motivator now. It might be working every Friday from home so that they can play tennis or, or you know, have an afternoon off or do a four-day week. I think you've, you're you spot on. You can't assume anything and you'd rather keep hold of top talent and people that are really strong in your team and, um that knowledge that they have then start from scratch you want to keep the best people you know when, when you've got the right team on the bus and you set up on your journey you can then decide where this you know who sits in which seats um, so those superstars those nine or ten out of tens and you've got one or two of those in your team you know what are you going to do with them next year to make sure that they're being stretched and that they will stay with you and maybe they're your succession planning. Uh, your succession planning kind of individual and then what do you do with your seven eights out of ten who do a really good job and are really key to your organisation and how many six out of tens can you carry and what do you do with your five and below's and and those five and below's that were last year but were in tricky circumstances how long do you give them next year and does that four out of ten performance equate to a seven out of ten in normal circumstances Have you been a CFO in this organization for three years and have you seen that individual operate pre-COVID, during COVID and post-COVID? So you can make a proper measure of how much they're up for this challenge. I I think for me that that I would be concentrating on
0: two groups of people in particular. I'd be saying, first of all, well, those superstars, how do I make sure that I've probably rewarded them? They know that the organisation really values them and we're going to look after them going forward. But I'd equally be looking at those people who in the last nine months have had a significant dip in performance from where I'd expect them to be and probably recognise, firstly, nobody shows up at work to do a bad job. So what's going on? You've got to dig deep with those individuals to find out what it is. And I, I think this is probably... Around where the tough conversation probably isn't necessarily what you want to do for that level of performance. It's more of an understanding conversation and saying, well, hang on, what can we do to help?
1: I agree. I agree. I think, you know, um, when I've led teams in the past, um, sometimes you you forget going into a year or or going into a week that no one comes into the office or working from home deliberately to underperform or to let people down um, quite often it's it's 100% the opposite um, but you know are they in the right role for their skill set and character are they in the right organization for their skill set and character are they in the right profession for their skill set and character when it comes to it so you know there's lots of things to you know I think it, it shouldn't it doesn't need to be a hard conversation initially but clearly in three months six months time if you're having the same issues and you've got Uh, very talented individuals that want more and and you can structure a team around them, then you've got to start making those decisions because you've got to have control and know what you're going to expect month in, month out to uh, have that credibility with the board and the investors. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And Do do you have any particular tips, Andrew? First of all, let's take those high performers. Do you have any particular tips on specifics that perhaps people could be doing in in that review of that the
1: keeping the high performer on board i think you were right you've got to um acknowledge what they've done particularly well this year and to thank them and praise them and um for some people that is all that they need and that is enough for for them for, for six months or a year they just want that that comfortability that people and your your boss um is pleased with what you've done and they've acknowledged that you've gone the extra mile so i think saying thank you is is very underestimated you know, is underestimated how big an impact that makes i think you know one of the things we do with the future cfo cohort program is we ascertain where the development areas are for an up and coming fd cfo so a cfo reviewing a superstar below should be um, having those conversations. What can we do around your development areas, either in the role or external training and development? Um, How can we structure the team slightly differently to enable you to pick up fundraising experience or systems implementation? What can we put on your normal role to add to it that's gonna add value to you now and in the long-term? So you know, there's a couple of things, saying thank you and giving them more, but giving them more in interesting areas that are gonna add value and that they want to do. I absolutely
0: agree with you. And interesting, the the gross CFO situation room last week, we had a a very interesting discussion around bonuses and whether money actually motivates anybody. And we concluded that actually, it doesn't motivate people that much. Um, Lack of money or lack of feeling valued financially definitely demotivates people, but you're paid a fair salary, you've performed well, the bonus isn't necessarily the thing that you perform well to achieve. Um, So there's an awful lot in that saying thank you, giving that interesting extra role to do, giving things that, that motivate people towards mastery rather than necessarily just financial reward for doing their job well.
1: I think I, I agree with you on the whole, but I disagree with you a little bit. Um, and that's probably because I'm in sales <laughs> um, and maybe you know, I've you know, always been motivated by that element. Um, but I think you know, if you don't continually review someone's base salary, um, they will feel undervalued because the base salaries of individuals are going up. And if they fall below the curve, then you can say thank you as much as you want, but it needs to also be in line with what um, their role deserves to be paid and what the market rate is for that individual to be paid. So um, I've definitely had conversations over the years and regularly where you know they're doing a great job, they're always getting thank yous, they feel appreciated, but they've asked for a salary increase a few times, they've asked for a bonus a few times, and it's not been replicated. And, and in some ways, and um, when they're approached about roles um, or, or they know that they've got friends with similar background where they're paid 10,000, 20,000 higher base salary or their bonus is 30 percent, not 10 percent. Um, it does. It is a factor. It is a factor.
0: I think we're actually violently agreeing with each other, Andrew, because what what I would say is you've got to pay people enough to take money off the table as an issue. But there are a lot of things then beyond that that you've got to do to make sure folk are properly motivated.
1: Definitely. And I think um, that, that, you know, um, the extra benefits element, um, your pension, gym membership, you know, access to kind of coaches or mental health kind of um, advice. Um, these are the elements that are you know, increasingly becoming very, very important um, and um, are you know, kind of negating the, you know, the need for a bonus based salary element um I think people are 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 moving in the direction where you know the money is not the main driver um but I think it's a generational thing and I think there's still a competitive edge between peers um early on in their move up the ranks where salaries are probably discussed and um you know it, it's noticeable what the bandings are for different roles within a growth tech business versus a listed business versus banking.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's raising an interesting point as well, Andrew, that you, you're talking about gym memberships, uh, mental health assistance and things like that. Now, we've got a lot of people working outside of the office for the first time and probably a, a culture that was geared up to people working in the office so there's, there might be a gym membership thrown into to some gym that is local to the office or even in the same building um mental health coaching can be a, a much bigger issue now that you've got people working remotely so that's definitely something that
1: should be redressed this year think think differently about how you do that it's very yeah, yeah i agree it's very difficult it depends massively on the size of the organization um if you're a cfo and you've got a financial controller and a head of FP&A, and and they have got a team of three below each, you can really manage their packages and, and their benefits. Um, and maybe as a CFO, you may have HR in your functional uh, wheelhouse as well. Uh, and if it's a small enough growth business, then you can do that. Um, but clearly if it's a, a listed business where you get past the banding for your, your kind of salary banding and here's your benefits and it's top down, then um, how you manage that team below probably needs to be more subtle. It needs to be, um, you know, um, Leanne, you've done an amazing job. Um, I know one of the key things that's really important to you is you you want to have Thursday mornings off to to take um, the the toddler to nursery and and have a, you know, see your mum or something. So therefore, you know, three hours on a Thursday do that we're not expecting any outputs I think the remote piece is trying to get used to a different zone of communication so that you're not expecting immediate replies um and you're not I think people have been out zoomed there's been too much zoom so you know you've got you've got five hours of zoom in a day and then you've got to do your day job so I think i'd say that the remote piece if it continues probably needs to evolve a little bit to more um just standard phone calls and more time for people to do their jobs without having too many face-to-face zoom um sessions and I, i'd agree with that totally i think appreciate
0: that people are doing maybe their seven and a half or eight hours but they're not necessarily doing it between nine and five as well
1: well, I think there's a lot of people out there that are really struggling to turn the laptop off in the evening um, and are starting earlier because they're not commuting. So I don't think it's an, you know for the right individual. The thing is, if you've got the right team that are passionate to deliver, it's never an hours thing. It's an output thing. Um, and the flexibility can be there, um, which is why it's all about getting a certain number of seven and eights in your team out of 10 and a certain number of nine and 10s in your team out of 10. And you can carry maybe the odd, depending on your your team size, maybe a six out of 10. Um, But it's trying to ascertain who has been underperforming for a significant period and what do we do about it? Do we rehire that position as it is? Do we restructure and absorb the role? Do we tweak the structure and, and create a new role? And how do we design that role profile and how do we go to market and do it quickly and efficiently next year.
0: So there's a lot to think about for the, the finance leader over Christmas. So
1: yeah, I think we've covered a
0: lot of ground there. Could certainly see why reviewing 2020 is gonna be difficult because we're gonna be looking at people's performance in unusual circumstances. Some people really will have thrived and we need to reward them. Some people may have drowned a little bit but that's not necessarily bad performance. So we need to dig deep and work out why. Um, We've got to think about that structure going forward because expectations have changed. People have discovered that they like working from home. They like having that extra freedom. What's the new normal for your finance team going to look like going into 2021? When we get to June and things are much back to normal uh, from the point of view of what we're allowed to do, does that simply mean we're all back in the office? It doesn't have to be. I think we've we've learned an awful lot about the way people like to work in the last, last year. So certainly lots and lots of things to think about
1: there, Andrew. The, the last thing to point out is obviously some businesses um, will have accelerated as a result of what's happened. You know, tech enabled businesses would have ex- accelerated significantly and some wouldn't have so it's taking into consideration the growth trajectory of your business as well because that's evolved whilst um, reviewing the team so it's not always going to be fit for purpose anymore absolutely
0: and i I can imagine the tech sector there might be a few finance teams that are really struggling um simply because of the volume of work that's coming their way more transactions bigger growth need for extra investment so on might might well be stretching the team to its limits so you know, this is time to draw breath and say is this something that's going to continue uh an awful lot of people are suggesting that we've moved forward five years in the space of a few months in the way some things are done so are you actually in the right shape for that new tomorrow given what's happened and yes that's as much about maybe increasing your team restructuring your team with with extra people, extra skills, as it is recognising that the business hasn't done well and you might
1: have to just downsize a little bit. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a, an interesting um, period of reflection for people.
0: Andrew, that's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much for joining us on the Grow CFO show this week.
1: I hope it helped. Hmm.